From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on June 15th, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. In this episode, we hear from House Speaker Merle Smith and Ways and Means Committee Chairman Bruce Bannister about the actual end of the legislative session, what they accomplished, and what's left on the table for next year. We hear from Congressman Jim Clyburn on his move to once again try and close the Charleston loophole. USC's political science chair Kirk Randazzo analyzes the ramifications of the Trump indictment, and we continue to hear from Republicans on this historic arraignment of the former president. Okay, now in lieu of leaving us a voicemail, which you can still do at 803-563-7169, we, the lead, are humbly asking you, dear leader, to cast your ballot for the lead as the best local podcast, and also SCETV as the best local news in the Columbia Free Times Best of Contest. Yes, this is incredibly important to us. <laughs> That's why you're hearing me give you this pitch. I know there are a lot of great people and places to vote for, <clears throat> craft and draft, but we're coming to you hat in hand asking you to show us some love. You can find the link to the Columbia Free Times Best of Ballot in our show notes and online at postandcourier.com slash freetimes. Vote for the SC lead under the local podcasts and SCETV for TV news coverage under the local media tab. That's all you have to do, best of... We want to win. Um, we think we deserve it. And we're asking for your vote. Vote early, vote often, though you can only vote once per email address. Anyway, let us know. Cast that ballot and uh, give us some love. Thanks. That's all, folks. Yes, that's my best porky pig right there. But we're fairly positive, like 99% sure, that the Statehouse will stay quiet till early next January. That's because this week, the House and Senate lawmakers sent the governor their agreed-upon $13.8 billion budget, as well as other bills the governor had been clamoring for, such as the bond reform bill, though not an illegal gun possession bill, that has been tied to a constitutional carry bill that's now in the Senate that's... Something for next session, folks. But listen, you can't get everything you want in the first year of a two-year session, but for House Speaker Merle Smith, school vouchers, abortion, a shield law, fentanyl trafficking, bond reform, anti-CRT bill, economic development, and the repealing of the Certificate of Need requirement for medical facilities, well, that's not a bad start, especially considering it was his first year leading the 124-member body, and he also had to deal with a contingent of some 16 hard-right members, part of the House Freedom Caucus. His secret? Here's Speaker Smith. Well, it's my first session as Speaker, and, and it's been a challenging session, but you know, the one thing I've learned throughout the process of being in politics as long as I have and being in this chamber is that if no one person can do the work themselves. You have to have a good team about you, and that's the one thing that when I became Speaker, I paneled what I thought was a good leadership team. And, I've, and our caucus has really rallied around our team and our agenda. And so it's not my agenda, it's the House Republican Caucus agenda. In a lot of cases, it's the South Carolina House of Representatives agenda. So I serve with some great people, people who are enthusiastic, who want these issues passed and who want to benefit South Carolina. And I think that's a recipe for success over here this session. 
Well, what about things that Speaker Smith and Republicans couldn't get accomplished this year? Well, that's a good question. We accomplished a lot more than I ever thought we would. So, uh, so, but you know, again, there's an agenda that we have that there are items that are either passed by the Senate or that we haven't gotten to yet. Nothing comes to my mind specifically right now. I hate to say that, but, um, but you know, again, we'll go back and look at our priorities, and we'll get back together again before the session. And I'm sure there'll be new bills added, and we'll release that before session begins. Yes, while there were some red meat in those issues, a lot were also strongly bipartisan, including one by freshman Representative Brandon Guffey, who saw his sexual extortion bill that adds additional penalties for those who exploit people who have willingly or unwillingly sent sexual imagery to someone. But for the moments of unity, there was plenty of division. Though we're not entirely to the level of Washington, D.C., we may not be too off from that. After all, next year is an election year for both the House and Senate, and now that didn't come up at this year in press conference, it was too much good news to celebrate, especially the first budget that Greenville Republican Bruce Bannister steered in the House. So, as the Speaker said, people not programs, uh, and we think the budget this year takes care of people. Uh, Pay raises for state employees with historically high inflation. We made sure that the the lowest pay state employees got the the biggest raise in terms of percentage, but made sure everybody had additional money in their paycheck. That's $2,500 or 5%, whichever is greater for state employees. We added 2,500, we added, we raised the base teacher pay to 42,500. We added uh, $2,500 to the step increase for the teachers. So every step of, of current teachers as they as their income goes up and their experience goes up, uh, they would share in that benefit. Uh, We raised law enforcement pay, corrections pay. Uh, We put an SRO in every school in South Carolina. The money is available in the school districts to now make sure our children are safe and that there is a designated law enforcement officer there to make sure uh, that our kids are safe. We added added pay to our mental health professionals and our nurses and our corrections officers. we, we understood that we were not competitive in the state of South Carolina to fill those positions and properly pay them. Uh, we had to go up, in some cases, as much as 15% for those uh, state employees and those corrections officers. So across the board, I think we took care of the people who work for our constituents and the people who work in the state of South Carolina, uh, along with record economic development, um, with commerce, uh, resiliency, and obviously with Scout receiving a, a billion three in this cycle. So uh, historic investments in commerce for jobs for our people and pay. So we also saw this week a federal court in South Carolina rule in favor of the South Carolina Freedom Caucus's petition to be recognized as a formal caucus in the statehouse, just like the Democrats, Republicans, black and women's caucuses. This will allow them to raise money that it will be able to use against those it deems not conservative enough something it had success with in 2022 and grew its ranks to around 16 members. While their legislative accomplishments didn't come to fruition and many voted for the bills that they had unsuccessfully attempted to change, this ruling is a major win for the nascent group. Judge Cameron McGowan Curry's ruling threw out parts of the 1991 Ethics Reform Act that was passed following the FBI's Operation Lost Trust, in which 17 members of the South Carolina General Assembly were arrested for bribery, extortion, or drug use. The 90s, right? (laughs) Different state has different time. Now, under the ruling, lobbyists can contribute to special interest caucuses. And what qualifies as a special interest caucus now? Just takes two members to make one, and they can receive unlimited amounts of dark money and can be used in coordination with lawmakers' campaigns. 
That's right. We're putting the Columbia in the District of Columbia now. Needless to say, the House Ethics Committee will meet Monday to deal with this ruling in what should be an interesting meeting. Moving on, speaking of D.C., as we note the 8th anniversary of the horrific shooting at the Mother Emanuel Amy Church in Charleston, Assistant Democratic Leader James Clyburn delivered remarks Tuesday on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives after filing a discharge petition on a resolution to bring H.R. 2403, the Enhanced Background Checks Act of 2023, to the House floor for a vote. In Charleston, just because the government's background check had not been completed within three days, the shop had already sold the gun before he was deemed to be ineligible. Every year, thousands of weapons are purchased through this loophole that otherwise should be prohibited to criminal records or other factors more than 5,200 in 2021 alone. Through though this problem was discovered too late for the 12 victims at the Emanuel AME Church, we must narrow this loophole to prevent future tragedies. Since 2015, I have introduced the Enhanced Background Checks Act, and it passed the House in the 116th and 117th Congresses. This bill provides the FBI with crucial additional time to complete a background check on a potential firearm purchaser before a licensed dealer can transfer a gun. If a background check has not been completed after 10 business days, a purchaser may request an expedited review by the FBI. This request for an expedited review will trigger a more intensive FBI investigation designed to resolve the case within an additional 10 business day period. If the additional 10 business days elapse without a response from the NICS system, only then may the dealer sell or transfer the gun to the purchaser. Transactions for prospective purchasers who do not request an expedited review cannot proceed until a background check is resolved. While I would hope the House Republican leadership would recognize the harm caused by the Charleston loophole and would bring this bill to the floor for a vote, this discharge petition would make that happen even if they remain unwilling. And you may remember from a recent Winthrop Poll general population survey of 1,051 South Carolinians found that 73% were in favor of supporting legislation that would require a completed background check before a buyer can take possession of a firearm, even if the background check takes longer than three days to come back. That's, of course, known as closing the Charleston loophole, which we heard Congressman Clyburn just talk about. Now, this also includes the support of 73% of Republicans. 75% of respondents also support prohibiting the sale of firearms to those under 21. So some contacts there. Now let's continue our look at follow-up from former President Donald Trump's arraignment and his plea of not guilty to 37 felony charges stemming from his alleged mishandling of classified documents and subsequent obstruction charges that played out in federal court in Miami this week. 
The lead was not in Miami, but several South Carolinians continue to discuss the charges, including Governor Henry McMaster, who in 2016 was the first statewide elected official in the nation to endorse Trump. McMaster, of course, endorsed him again in 2020 and for this current run. McMaster, a lawyer, former U.S. attorney under President Reagan and state attorney general, said in a statement on Twitter, quote, this is a troubling day. The Espionage Act was passed in 1917 to keep spies and traitors from sending military and defense secrets to our enemies. There is absolutely no evidence, not even a hint, that President Trump did that or even remotely intended to. Coming on the heels of the Russia collusion hoax and the fake Steele dossier scandal, the attorney general's seeking domestic terrorists at school board meetings, the highly critical reports on the FBI by both Inspector General Horowitz and Special Counsel Durham, as well as the absurd New York case to many Americans and the world, this will appear to be nothing more than another baseless political attack by a desperate group of political office holders and, quote, Trump haters. I believe that the Trump opposition has gone too far, that many Americans will know it, and that President Trump will prevail, quote. And that was Governor Henry McMaster on Twitter in his response to Trump being charged there on those 37 counts. Now, Republican presidential candidate and former governor and ambassador to the United Nations under Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, was on the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show on June 13th, and she said she'd be inclined to pardon Trump. Take a listen. What's happening is unfortunate. I think the Justice Department has handled this whole thing terribly. I mean, you can't have one standard for Democrats like Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and then another standard for Republicans like Donald Trump. And we're seeing that again. And we're seeing that again with the Biden robbery um, recordings that, that have come to light. I mean, the country should never stand for that. And I think that we should all speak up and we have to be loud about that. Having said that, if the claims in the indictment are true, if they're true, then Trump was incredibly reckless with our national security, and that's not okay. So now if you've got the question of a pardon, I mean, that's a very different question. I'm not going to presume President Trump's guilt. I think we all need to let this trial play out. We need to see, you know, exactly what happens. But, you know, when you look at a pardon, the issue is less about guilt and more about what's good for the country. And I think it would be terrible for the country to have a former president in prison for years because of a documents case. That's something you see in a third world country. I saw that at the United Nations. So I would be inclined in favor of a pardon. That's Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley there evolving on her position regarding President Trump. Now, former Vice President Mike Pence, he said it's probably too early for pardon talk. Now, I know you're probably sick of hearing round-the-clock discussion about the Trump arraignment on the news, especially if you just mainline cable news, which the lead is strongly against you doing for your own sanity and those around you. But I spoke with one of our go-to political science professors at the University of South Carolina, Dr. Kirk Randazzo. He's over the political science department there at USC. And I asked him about the implications of this on the race and what's the deal with the field growing now to some 10 major candidates with the addition of Miami Mayor Francis Suarez. But I opened with what he made of this history-making moment this week with a former president being arraigned on multiple felony charges. Take a listen. It's significant for a couple of reasons. One is the indictment itself. We've never had a former president indicted on federal charges before. But the other reason, and perhaps the more significant reason, is that we've never had a formal president not only take classified information, but then when asked to return it, try and move things around and hide documents and, and basically obstruct the federal government from getting those documents back. 
Yeah, and Kirk, that brings me to my, to my next question, that people are decrying that there are, there are two different kinds of Department of Justice here at play uh, when it comes to you know, comparing the possession of classified material for Hillary Clinton, former Vice President Mike Pence, President Joe Biden. Uh, but those situations, like you're saying, are much different than what we're seeing with President Trump. But some people just don't seem to see that differentiation. Yeah, I, it's unfortunate. I think part of the issue is that there's a lot of, of media, in particular the conservative media, that are trying to compare all of these situations as if they're the same, and, and they're not. The real issue is, isn't necessarily the possession of documents, but it's the willful obstruction, the deliberate obstruction when the government asked for the return of those documents. You did not see that obstruction with Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, or Mike Pence. They were very cooperative when they were alerted to the fact that they may have taken classified information improperly. And you don't have that with Donald Trump. And that's something going back to even February 2021. And now we're hearing reporting that, you know, his lawyers were trying to strike a deal with the DOJ. The Washington Post was reporting this week that they were trying to strike a deal to, you know, make a plea agreement. Uh, he, he didn't want to do that. So now we've gone to this point. It almost seems like it's better for him in some ways that he wants to keep this alive in some ways so he can continue to have this fight ongoing uh, and, and probably embolden him in this primary. Yeah. And, and we've also seen that he is raising a ton of money off of these indictments. Millions of dollars are pouring in basically to his campaign. And so I, I think this fits a narrative for Trump, at least within the Republican base, that he is fighting the government. And you know the, the slogan we keep hearing is, if it could happen to me, it could happen to you. And regardless of whether that's true in reality, in those conservative political circles, that message plays very, very well. Mm -hmm. And we know if we, if we, people like you and me, take classified material, we're pretty much going to be thrown away and throw the key away as well. So it doesn't really affect him negatively, is what you're saying right now in the primary. Yeah, well, right. Not not during the primary cycle, though. You know, as the as this plays out a bit over the next several months, that may start to rapidly change. But right now, it seems to be an advantage to Donald Trump to have the indictment and to, to be seen fighting it the way he is. Yeah, Kirk, that goes back to another question I was thinking of is, do you see some sort of risk of fatigue here when we talk about, you know, previous indictment up there in New York and then this one now? Uh, we're talking about Fulton County in Georgia with the election interference there. Uh, and then also, you know, the January 6th election, uh, you know, investigation, I should say. So a lot of this going on, I mean, it, it, you have to start worrying about, yeah, sure, if it's a big fight for the primary, it's helpful. But then, you know, general election electability is going to be a concern for Republicans going forward, I have to imagine. Oh, absolutely. And I even think during the primary, the other candidates at some point in time are going to start challenging Donald Trump more directly. You, you've seen it a little bit, maybe from Ron DeSantis saying, hey, you know, vote for me. I'll give you the same policies, but without the drama. Uh, I think as more indictments potentially come out, and certainly as these couple of indictments move forward, that fatigue may start to wear on people, even within the primary, and especially if other candidates start picking up on that and, and doing sort of what Chris Christie has been doing, challenging Donald Trump directly, 
I think we could see some of those poll numbers start to change. Before we go out of this, I just want to ask you about uh, former President Trump. We haven't seen him since uh, when he made his first swing here in January. When he was rolling out his endorsements, he has a lot, obviously, with our congressional delegation, too. Uh, but do you think it's odd? I know he's coming back, I think, July 1st. Um, but that'll be his second visit to the state. Is he? Do you think he doesn't have to campaign as hard as he used to or... You know, because he's just always in the news and his base is really not moving. What, what's your, what are your thoughts on that there, Kirk? I actually think he's going to need to campaign a bit harder because he's now going to split his time between the campaign and court. Um, and, and so any opportunity that he has to get in the public limelight and talk about the witch hunt and the conspiracy and, you know, how he is being singled out. I think he needs to capitalize on that in order to counter, you know, the potential drama and fatigue and wariness that people have just with him and his behavior. Plenty that we'll be watching as we continue to cover and watch the fallout of this unprecedented development. And we're still on the 2024 campaign trail, folks. That's right. We never left. <laughs> Senator Tim Scott's first televised town hall will be with Sean Hannity on Tuesday at 9 p.m., on Fox News, direct from Myrtle Beach. Welcome to Myrtle Beach, Sean. Nikki Haley will see Michael, her husband of 26 years, off at a SC Army National Guard deployment ceremony at the Citadel on June 17th. Michael, who is a major in the SC Army National Guard, will be deploying with other guardsmen, including Georgetown Republican Senator Stephen Goldfinch, in support of U.S. Africa Command. The deployment will likely go through the spring of 2024. Now, this is Michael Haley's second deployment. He previously went to Afghanistan in 2013. And former President Donald Trump will rally in Pickens over the July 4th weekend, according to his campaign. Trump's visit will coincide with the Pickens Independence Day Parade and will take place Saturday, July 1st. Trump is set to speak at 1 p.m., according to his campaign. This will be his second visit to South Carolina this year. He previously held a campaign rollout event in the Statehouse with the governor, Senator Lindsey Graham and other supporters in January. So it's been a minute. Now, if you're wondering what I'll be doing on the Saturday of my July 4th weekend, I'll be on a press riser, likely with Meg Kennard and a bunch of other sweaty reporters. Ooh. I'm thinking I might wear a tank top and work on this tan. What do you guys think? Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news, and we're glad you're here. We're also glad A.T. Shire's here, folks. Uh, I'm Applause. back. You couldn't keep me away. I've been sleeping in the studio. Doesn't he sound better and better, folks? <sighs> Listen I, to his voice. The, my vitality is slowly seeping back in. My tea bottomed out. Now it's like... Yeah, you're back in us. Kind of like miss the despair, straight, A.T. Straight to the boardroom. Have you been taking the Relaxium that I've been giving you? <laughs> Gavin's been sending me a steady stream of a Relaxium, oh, and- all um, these supplements I find on the TV. Oh, well, Gavin, he uh, scrounges around the floors of GNCs, <laughs> and whatever pills he finds, he brings to me, and I take. Uh, <laughs> and you've been so strong lately. Look at this. It's working. You can't say it doesn't work. You can't say it doesn't work. <laughs> Look at the hair all over your face. <laughs> I've got hair in between my fingers. Um, anyway, Gavin, there's one thing I want to get to before the call. What, I, I call. Would like, it's call time. No, 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 no. Baby, baby, don't we worry. We want call time. Okay, call time. Time can wait a little bit. We got a great caller later on. Is there but something I, important you have to say? We want to address 
the elephant in the room. Oh, yeah. And that is that we are nominated for the Best of Columbia. Yes. And so if you are listening to this right here, this is a binding contract mm-hmm. that you must go to whatever place Gavin said earlier. slash free times. If you skipped it, you're in trouble. You got to do it twice. Get two email addresses. We have a lawyer on retainer yes. ready to sue. And since we know how many of you do not call the voicemail line, because we keep all the voicemails, we have all your voices, Yes, you need to go vote for us now. Please. It would really mean a lot to us. We want, we need, our, our walls are a little bit barren. Bear. We need some awards to, to slap a bit. Yeah. Okay. It's anyway. a real one. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, Gavin, now's the time. Best podcast. Now's the time. Best, best podcast. podcast. We're the best podcast, okay? <laughs> Only podcast where you can call and say whatever you want, and we're going to put you on the air, okay? Yeah, that's true. Anyway, Gavin, friend of the pod, called in, doing us a favor, mm. heated, heated my bags. Uh, are you mm-hmm, ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Call time. Hey, Gavin AT, correspondent Kevin, just checking in, saying hello. Uh, getting ready for summer, getting hot, all that good stuff. So, since COVID... I've secretly judged organizations, locations, businesses that didn't put some type of extra bathroom hardware where I didn't have to pull or grab a handle, turn off water, flush the toilet. It's just one of my secret judging of locations. Couldn't put in a little extra hardware, an elbow grab, foot grab, so we don't have to palm door handles and things in bathrooms. So I was just curious if there's any secret judgings of people, places, or things that you have, no matter how big or small. Anyway, have a good one. Bye. Correspondent Kevin, thank you. Love some secret judging. I, I mean, love this, Kevin. Welcome to the lead. <laughs> welcome to lead welcome to after my life. Yeah. Um, yeah, you really, you really get to tell who like really put the effort in. And you know, for the longest time, I remember we used to have, I think we, we might still do. like In the bathrooms? All, well, we have the little... The, the foot, foot grabs, yeah. I love foot Which grabs. I don't use them, but I mean, I sometimes like I just never think about it. I'm terrified someone's going to come in and just whack that door <laughs> in my face. Yeah, you're trying to kick and it no, over? And get the, my foot not, oh, yeah. God. And, yeah. um, <laughs> no, I'm thinking of all like the, like the precaution signs that we had up for the longest time. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. the governor came through one day last year. And he's like, y'all still got these up? And we're like. And we just didn't and take them down, lazy, honestly. So yeah, it's pure laziness. But, Kevin, uh, I didn't judge. Uh, I, I, I will say I did love the foot grabs i love mm-hmm. those they're really good because like i'm holding stuff if you're I holding can, stuff yes you can pop that. it right open it just sort of makes sense anyway but i do have a a list of things that when i'm going to an international restaurant mm-hmm. this is how i know if it's going to be good so this so you work for like the james beard association this yes is how you yeah this i am michelin. I'm michelin stars <laughs> yes i hand out the michelin stars and so if you're walking into an inter- international restaurant right and they have a foreign soap opera on the television. Check. That's a very good sign, okay? If there are children doing homework there, mm. <laughs> that is a very good sign. And or working good. behind the counter. That's going to be very, very good. God, restaurant owners hate this guy right now, yes. folks. It's He's re- giving the details. It's Continue. really good. If you follow my easy steps, <laughs> you too will succeed at eating at international restaurants. And you'll also become an entrepreneur and the side hustles will just come to you and you're going to multiply <laughs> your income by like 100. Oh, it's the best. I mean, there's nothing better than a yeah, great I mean, taco. In, all, serious, it's in legit, all seriousness, yeah. it's great to find a great taco place, to find like an authentic Chinese a Szechuan restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, that just reminds me of like uh, Main Moon down here in Columbia. 
right mm-hmm. over on Rosewood because the people that own that restaurant live like just down my street. So I <laughs> yeah. see them walking back yeah. and forth. I know the kids work there. I see it's, them. It's I've the never been because I just don't eat that much Chinese food. Chinese food's so good. Uh, I love it. I love it. I would eat it all the time if I could. But you, you know, could. It's right down the street. My cholesterol might be a little too high. I have like wild blood pressure. Yeah, all the apparently time. you're having. I've been researching about the eggs. Oh God, it comes to my inflation discussion right now. I'm glad you guys are still here. Oh, which Gavin's I'm sure... pivoting. Eggs. <laughs> Eggs. <laughs> Do you know how much? Do you know how much I spent for a dozen eggs the other day? How much? A dollar and eleven cents. It's back down. We're back, baby. We're back. Yeah. That's why I could not buy them when they were at three forty nine, four ninety nine. I said no, thank you. I'm not doing it. Now I can buy three, four dozen for the price of one dozen. Yes, I mean we're back in business. Folks. I never stopped because again I am, and this is a brag. I had an egg dealer. Sure. She had her own chickens. If you got that, keep them. Keep and them on the down low, I gave her two bucks. What? The whole time what? for a dozen eggs. That's yeah, that's great. It's great. If I could, if I could have an egg dealer, which would be nice. <sighs> I got a few dealers. I got a Jamaican beef patty dealer. Mm-hmm. I'm Come aware on. of that one. So good. I'm aware of so that good. one. So good. Um, so yeah, prices are back down. Gas is stable. Things are okay. <laughs> Inflation's coming down. I'm gonna. I need. I'm gonna bring Just it back saying. to dealers. If anyone, oh, oh. if anyone Easy. listening has a line on some guanciale. AT needs guanciale. Can you tell us what that is? I don't know if I'm comfortable. It is. It's like pancetta. It's I a am. cured meat, Italian mm. cured meat. And a lot of people use pancetta where guanciale is necessary. It's cheek. I need it. I want to make carbonara. Okay. Okay. So, We're all going to benefit from this. Um, <laughs> I, but I was talking about the eggs because uh, cholesterol. I'm really worried about my cholesterol now because there's so much cholesterol in the eggs. You got to get yeah, but the it's yolk. Good. It's good. Well, there's good and there's bad to it, but there's a lot in it. It's mostly good. And if I'm eating like dozens of eggs now, like, dozens of I'm eggs worried. a day. Egg- <laughs> So I'm, I'm doing more egg whites to be safer. So sad. Very oh, sad. that's okay. I, I have to take them with you. Can, I'm, not, you, I'm not telling you, you not to do it. You can't unabashedly just keep eating whatever you want. That's I'm not saying not to do it. Absolute insanity. Do what's best for you, but also it is sad. Health and as well. I, I wish you could eat the yolk. That's really all. I have I wish one better. yolk, and then I add three whites. That's exciting for me. <sighs> so sad. And then I put it on top of my everything bagel. And here I am. my avocado. Here I am tomato. talking about carbonara, <laughs> which is just pure egg yolk. <laughs> It's just six. Do you want me to save my egg yolks and for you? Parmesan cheese? Yeah, honestly, I would. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep re- them. I'm really good. I mean, I got a whole drawer of them. Anyway, I would say that that's enough. I'm gonna. I think that's enough. I'm but I also want to just there. go ahead and tell you folks that we're gonna tape on Tuesday, uh, and if we don't, if you don't hear from us next week, it's because we didn't win the Emmy in Atlanta this weekend. So uh, it's gonna be hard for old GJ to come back home with his uh, tail between his legs if we don't win an, uh, another gonna, year. Gavin's just keep going west and starting new leads along the way. Johnny <laughs> so Apple. Please. Johnny please. Apple lead. <laughs> anyway. So please vote for us in the free times because that's something we can control. Even bigger than an Emmy, many people are saying. <laughs> yes, just... Anyway, have a good weekend. If you listen to this, I mean, you got to vote for us. Please. It's in our show We're notes. Desperate. Postincourier.com slash free times. Cast that best of ballot for the SC lead and SCETV. We love you forever for that. And be like correspondent Kevin. Give us a shout, 803-563-7169. We love hearing from you guys or review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also stay up to date with the latest news on sceTV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Great slacks. Banana Republic. Oh, I love their slacks. They have the Gavin Chino. <laughs> Gavin Chino, also my favorite drink. Uh, not legal in certain states.